I think my overall like big goal is just to like, I want to, it goes back to the being obsessed with Justin Bieber. Like I want to mm-hmm. be like a pop star or whatever, <laughs> whatever that looks like and being able to live like comfortably off of music and, uh, I don't know. I want to get to the point where like money isn't an issue and I don't, I want to get to the point where like I have some sort of effect on music and I want to get to a point where like I'm in a position to put on all my friends mm-hmm. because I don't know. I just want all these people that help me constantly and like are like better at me than like producing or playing guitar or anything to like, uh, get what they deserve and, uh, be able to have like fruitful careers too. That was musician Zane Penny. He says that every creative endeavor he's been involved in has led him to where he is right now. It goes back to fifth grade when his mom heard about an audition for a short film. Zane was interested, but he'd never acted before, so he was nervous. So nervous and full of doubt that he almost skipped the audition altogether. But then, at the last minute, he decided to go. He believes that everything else has flowed from that moment. More acting gigs, filmmaking, creating music, and joining Vitus Collective, a group of young musicians and artists based in Anchorage. Joining Vitus Collective was an important milestone for Zane. It introduced him to a group of like-minded youth, and it also helped him realize the importance of young artists, that their message and their perspective matters. The problem was, there was nowhere for them to perform. So in high school, Vitus began hosting all-ages shows. These shows were a success, at times bringing in around 300 people. Reflecting on it now, Zane says that when kids have the opportunity to support their friends, they show up. A big part of the music for him is the fashion that goes along with it. When he was younger, he wore clothes that made him stand out. A hood with bunny ears, tank tops, and metal chokers. He looks back on those choices now and he laughs. But he understands that that was his way of expressing himself back then. In fact, he keeps a lot of those clothes around his house to remind himself of where he comes from. The clothes and other pieces of his past help him fight this fear of forgetting. This fear of waking up one day and realizing that the world has gone on without him. Everything is different, but he's the same. He thinks this fear stems from some of his family's issues involving alcoholism. So in general, he stays away from alcohol and instead focuses on the thing that helps quiet that fear, his music. So here he is, Zane Penny. Welcome to Chattermarks, a podcast of the Anchorage Museum, dedicated to exploring Alaska and the Circumpolar North, through the creative and critical thinking of ideas, past, present, and and future. future. My name is Cody Liska, and I'll be your host. So McDonald's made you feel like you were hungover? (laughs) Yeah. 
because I haven't had it in like eight months. So like my body is like not adjusted to like bad food. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I spent so much of my younger years eating like really crappy food because I was always so busy doing stuff. So I yeah. was like, you know, let's just stop at McDonald's or Taco Bell or whatever. And then now that I'm in my 30s, honestly, <laughs> like if I have Taco Bell and I have it at the wrong hour of the day, I think I'll be taken out. Actually, I don't think I know. I'll be taken <laughs> yeah. out for like the next day and a half. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Shit is, does not hit the same as it did in high school. It's still good though. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I was at the studio until like 4am. So I like, and there was nothing open because like village in doesn't really exist anymore here. And like, like there, we have like no 24 hour places. So I'm just like down bad. <laughs> so you went to Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I started recording just because I thought that was pretty funny. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, there are these videos on your social media where you're performing and you're wearing like a hood. Do you still have that hood? <laughs> yeah, I have like the the like bunny hat. I think the one that I was thinking of is like a black hood with like a, with like a tie, you know, for the neck. Yeah. It's like a, um, it's a hat that has like bunny ears on it, but it, it just kind of does. It does look like a hood. Do you still have that? I do. Yes. Do you wear it at all? Um, <laughs> no, not <really. laughs> I, I, I have like a couple things in my wardrobe where I'm like, I'll like never wear this, but like if it's for a show and I want like something kind of dumb and flashy, I'll like throw that on. So you wear different things for performances than you would otherwise, like in, you know, normal living. Yeah. And why is that? Um, I don't know. I think I just want to like look cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's like any deeper than that. I think um, I'm just like, oh, I want to like have this like rock star persona when I'm like playing a show. Okay. So like to stand out. Yeah. You used to dye your hair too and wear oh tank gosh, tops yeah. when you performed. <laughs> do you still do yeah. that? I've chilled a bit on dyeing my hair because like when we first met, that was like my peak dyeing my hair phase. I always had like the split color dye and like all that stuff. But um, I don't know. As I grow older, like I kind of realized how like I don't know how many years I'm going to have like with hair. <laughs> Cause I, so like I'm just trying to like embrace my natural like what comes in right now i just like shaved my head like six months ago so i'm like just growing it back out now when i was younger dying your tips was in and then mm -hmm. my brothers were like dying their whole head and so i was like i'm gonna die my whole head and so i went in 
I think to trendsetters in Diamond Center, <laughs> and, and I have them bleach my whole head, and I have like you know I'm bald now, but I had really dark like black hair, and it took like six hours, you know, just sitting there oh my God. under like one of those little like you know headlamp things. <laughs> those poor like trendsetters, like high school <laughs> <laughs> students, and it just bleached my head and um so i had that done and then i met my future wife carrie oh my gosh and um you know carrie was like what's under that beanie and i was like super you know trying to hide it (laughs) (laughs) oh man but yeah i i also stuck with just my natural hair color after that because I don't know. Maybe I just thought it was better. I just, I liked mm-hmm. it and maybe I was just lazy. And then yeah. now I'm kind of glad I did because I have no hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now you at least remember what your, your hair did, did look like naturally. Yeah. Well, and now I'm on to this next adventure of being bald, you know, and I was worried yeah. that for a second, I was worried that, um, that I wasn't, that my wife wasn't going to be able to scratch my head. Cause I, you know, I was like, I wonder if it's the hair that makes it like feel good. Mm-hmm. And I have found that it isn't just the hair. Like like on a bald That's head, if you get know. a bald head scratched. Yeah. Wait, are you are you foreseeing you being bald? I it's like your mom's dad, right? I thought that, but my mom's dad has a full head of hair. Huh. Maybe not. Like, so my my dad has like like pretty full hair. He has like pretty long whatever but my mom's dad is like <laughs> like super bald <laughs> so i i don't really know i'm just i think i'm gonna start like taking like finasteride or whatever like the the shit that like blocks the that like kind of testosterone or whatever that makes you lose your hair okay just so i had to like prevent it but i don't know i'm definitely like doing <laughs> like living like I'm going to be bald. <laughs> <laughs> living like you're going to be bald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that could be the name of a new song. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like your style has changed at all? Like clothes or like mu- like music? I guess either one. Definitely clothes. I think um probably last time we saw each other in person I, I was probably pretty emo or like i wore like i remember i used to wear like dog collars not dog collars but like the um just those metal like chokers yeah okay that people put on dogs i used to wear those like as necklaces and just like a lot of like the I I used to dress like an e-boy like before e-boys were a thing. And I remember in high school like I was like a year before that or something and then it became popular and then all these people that would like make fun of me for dressing the way I did <laughs> would like dress like me all of a sudden or like huh. call me an e-boy and it's like bro. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all used to make fun of me for this. That's crazy. And an e-boy is just like emo, right? 
I think it's like, like e like, I don't know how like things online are like e things. Oh, okay. Because they're it's like the chronically online mm. like fit. Okay. At least now. So, the style e boy indicates how a person dresses when they're in front of a computer. No. Okay. <laughs> I think it's like people see um these guys they think are attractive like on TikTok and stuff. And uh I think it became popular again because of the whole like emo resurgence and like MGK and whatever. Like uh dressing a certain way so people kind of wanted to throw it back to that mm-hmm. and they saw all these like hot famous tiktok dudes dressing like that and they also did i guess okay and so that's an e-boy yeah i think okay <laughs> well i'm caught up now then i can start using yeah. the term <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty late i don't think that's even really a thing anymore oh dang okay <laughs> <laughs> but now you know the history yeah <laughs> So what happened? Did you just get sick of of that e-boy style or do you feel like it's just part of you maturing as an artist? I think it, I think it's definitely just me maturing. I hmm. I'm kind of in like a weird like I don't really know what my style is anymore. I kind of just wear like band merch. Yeah. <laughs> And the same, like, three pairs of, like, Carhartt pants I have. I'm kind of dressing more like an Alaskan nowadays, like a like a trendy Alaskan. What do you think made you start dressing like that? Um, I think a lot of the people I was, like, surrounded by had, like... Like, the people I work with, do you know who Huss is? Like, Huss and Michael and them? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay, well, they're, uh... So we have, like, this this music collective called Vitus Collective. They're the other members of it, and, uh... They're really... They have a real... They're very, like... They're, like, a couple years ahead of everyone, like, fashion-wise. Okay. Like, they, they wear a lot of like capital and like number nine and like um just like this this a lot of like raw denim and just like expensive materials but the kind of clothes where you buy and like they don't wear out for like 20 years okay so i'm kind of getting more into stuff like that more like uh like sustainable clothes and stuff yeah. And is fashion important to you or is it important to your music or both? I think it's it's not as important as I'd like it to be. I think fashion used to be really important to me in high school, but as I kind of grew up and got other interests, I I kind of like um like drifted away from that. But I think I'm I think I'm coming back to it just like with a different with a more like adult brain. And that looks like 
sustainable stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I I realized that these first couple questions or this first line of questioning is all about fashion, and I didn't really like mean it to be that way, but <laughs> maybe maybe my uh uh where my mind goes is like, do you feel like maybe before, you know, when you're dressing like an e-boy, <laughs> see, I'm using the term. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you feel like you weren't being true to yourself? I, d- I think I was. It was just that that's like the period I was in. Yeah. I think I've always been pretty true to myself. And like I, I remember when I first dyed my hair, like the attention I got was really, it was really weird because, um, like I wasn't known for dyeing my hair in high school at all. Like I was a pre, I, I dressed like, like a normie, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was the most like average dude ever. And then like, I started dyeing my hair and like wearing dog <laughs> jokers and shit. <laughs> and then I, I don't know, like, um, I don't know. I think I was just, I don't know. I just got a whole lot of like kind of unwanted attention and whatever, but I think it was like, I think it was important for me to not like, uh, to kind of train myself to not worry about how people thought of how I looked. Mm-hmm. Cause like I would go to school wearing like a dog joker and stuff. <laughs> So like I would get made fun of and stuff, but it was, I think in my mind I was like, oh, I'm just more like fashionable than these, these dudes. Okay. And was it mainly dudes who were making fun of you? Yeah, because I would I would like paint my fingernails and stuff, and like, um, I think a lot of dudes, especially in high school, are are really like insecure, and like anything you do, like if you painted your nails, and people a lot of high school dudes kind of see you and they're like, Oh, this guy's like a gay or whatever. It's like, well, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, yeah, just that's like an insult to them. So it's, it's, I don't know. I think they just don't like understand or have, they they don't, there's no effort into understanding. So they just kind of like brush it off as being like weird or whatever. Yeah. Until, you know, three, four years later and they're painting their fingernails. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's trendy to be an e-boy then. That's exactly what happened. And that's what you mean by unwanted attention. Yeah, I, yeah, or I'd, like, I don't know. There's a couple instances where, like, I, I just dyed my hair and I just, like, see people kind of, like, pointing and, like, talking about me mm-hmm. in the hallway and it was, like, I don't know. Just kind of awkward. Yeah. Because I, I feel like everyone's kind of becoming who they're going to be. Mm-hmm. So like everyone is kind of like really self-conscious because they don't really know what they are yet. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just that, that weird like the like growing pains of like getting older and stuff. I think people are just all kind of down bad at that age and like they don't really know what they want or like what they want to be and okay so everyone's just kind of like insecure and dumb and 
whatever. I don't think it's their fault for just, like being ignorant about that stuff. But I, because I, I wasn't who I am now. Mm-hmm. So like I was also like insecure about what I was wearing and stuff. So I think it's fine. I think it's just like a, um, maybe it has to do with like how they were raised or how I was raised or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I don't really, I don't hold any grudges for that. I think it was just like a, some, the weird like culture of growing up. I think it's, I think it's at least important to have like a group of friends that kind of where you all just like give each other shit. And yeah. Stuff. Just really honest with each other. Yeah, I think it it keeps you humble. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Can you tell me about Vitus Collective? Yeah, so it um it started in 2018, I think, either 2018 or like early 2019. Mm-hmm. And it just started as like um as just a collective of like different kinds of artists. And it was just our way of like coming together and like helping each other out with like, um, wherever we fall flat, I guess, like, um, with whatever we were, like our art form of choice was. So we would like throw all ages shows at the bunker and like, um, before I made music, I would still help with that. And then I would just shoot like the recap videos Mm -hmm. for the shows and I would shoot like music videos for the artists that we were associated with and um once i got the confidence to pursue music then that's i i had all those contacts from like doing videos and like Mm -hmm. working with these people already that um, i think i had it pretty lucky because because i had all those contacts i just went to them and um huss the the person Mm -hmm. i collaborate with like the most now is um he was one of those like he was in he was in Vitus like as early as I was and just like seeing him on stage really motivated me to like get my shit together and uh, pursue what I was actually, I think I was, I've always been like really passionate about music and like singing, but mm-hmm. I just never like, it just took a long time to, fully like admit that to myself I think because I had such a path going for me with filmmaking that like it felt dumb to like just do a 180 but um I don't know with the help of all those people I think it um it's worked out so far so (laughs) I definitely feel really lucky yeah can you tell me more about you know acting and making short films mm-hmm. yeah so i started i think it's it's so interesting because everything that i do that i've done up until now is this weird like butterfly effect of um i remember in like fifth grade or something my mom heard about this audition for a short film and i almost didn't go i was like i'm too nervous like i never act like uh whatever and then last minute i was like you know what fuck it like i'm just gonna give it a shot Mm -hmm. and i went for it and when i showed up my best friend at the time also showed up to the audition so we we both auditioned for the same part he ended up getting it 
but they saw um, the relationship that we had just like in between takes and stuff that they, they made a character for me. Like they wrote in a character for me because they, they liked the, um, like the energy that we had together. Yeah. So that ended up like, um, like after I did some acting, then I was like, Oh, I want to kind of get behind the camera and like, uh, do some more filmmaking stuff. And then because of that, then that's how I got into Vitus. And then because of that, that's how I started music. So it's weird to think like, I almost didn't go to that audition. Like if I, if I didn't, what would I be doing now? It's, it's so weird. How often do you think of that? Oh man. Every time I'm like, I, I try to like give myself time to like be grateful about things. Mm-hmm. And, um, Whenever I think about that, I definitely like my mind always goes back to the um like you almost didn't have any of this and it only happened because of this one moment. So I think that keeps me saying yes to things because like I have no idea what will come out of anything. Yeah. Even if it feels really small, it could become something big. What do you feel like the last thing that you said yes to that materialized into something. Ooh. Okay. So this isn't, I don't think this is the last thing, that, but this is probably the second most like significant is I, uh, I, I directed and edited the 99 Corolla video for medium build. Okay. And that was before I made music and he just sent me an email because he uh, he knew that I made short films and whatever and did music videos, mm-hmm. and he wanted someone to um, direct his video and edit it or whatever. And so we met up, and I really liked him, and uh, we were just talking about the video and stuff, and then we were kind of getting the pre-production done. And at that point, I was pretty established, so I was like, I was kind of taxing <laughs> when it came to like like the budget that. I was asking for when I did music videos was um, like the budget he proposed to me was like pretty, pretty far below what I would usually accept. Okay. And so the, but I was like, I'll do it anyway. Like, because I really love the song and I, I really enjoyed hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. And if I did literally, if I didn't do that, like if I said no, like the majority of anything that's been like going for me music wise, like wouldn't have happened because the having Nick as a friend and a, almost like a mentor relationship with him is like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really valuable to me. Yeah. So it's, I'm, I'm really glad I did that. (laughs) When you look at, you know, how all these doors keep opening and now you have this mentality of saying yes. Mm-hmm. Do you, I don't know, like ascribe anything else to that? Like, is it destiny? Is it uh, maybe the concept of kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy? You know, if if you keep pursuing the thing that you're passionate about, then eventually those doors will open. 
yeah, I think, well, I think just the way that the group works, like Vitus works, I think, um, because we all have our fingers in like each other, like all of each other's different projects and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, we've kind of just set ourselves up for if, if any of us kind of blows up or gets big, then we're all going with them because we're all like associated. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to, I'm just, I don't really attribute it to anything like fate or anything. I just, I'm really confident about, um, like where we're going to end up because I don't see, I don't really see a situation where like maybe I fail at something or whatever, but I do not see like Huss failing, like where I would fall flat. Mm -hmm. And like, if he doesn't, then it's like, I'm also there because we're all doing the same thing. Yeah. So like I, it's kind of just like a matter of time. So it's just like a patience thing at this point, I think. And you said pursuing music was about gaining the confidence. Yeah, I think because I've I, like, I've written songs when I was like six or whatever, like every, I feel like everyone kind of did, but. Um, I don't know. Like I, when I was little, I was like obsessed with Justin Bieber. Okay. Like I, I had posters of him on my wall. Like, um, like I, I, my dream was like, I'm going to be a pop star. I'm going to like be like Justin Bieber. And it kind of went full circle. Cause after I kind of got into other things and then I went back to being interested in music now my dream is i want to be a pop star so yeah okay. it's like, <laughs> i think that was the most like pure version of what i wanted it was like when i when i was a kid yeah i think that's like just the most pure you are as a human i think it's it's important to like go back to your roots <laughs> yeah with the more like you're more like matured and like uh more experienced ideas and stuff like that's cool like when i first um started producing i think or i think when everyone like starts making music i think the things they make initially are like the most creative because mm -hmm. you don't know how to do anything so like you kind of have to figure out like everything mm -hmm. so like there's no pattern like now I kind of get into Ableton and I'm, I I kind of make the same thing over and over again. But like I didn't have that when I first started out. And I think um you can take still like take that idea of like marrying the two to like come out with like the best product mm -hmm. or whatever, but do you feel like maybe you have like a routine of getting back into that like creative space that like that initial creative space where it's like genuinely creative rather than, you know, like you said, sitting yeah. on Ableton and remaking the same thing over and over again. Well, I think it's, it kind of builds my confidence to think about that because I think it's um, like, I've always had it. I just like didn't have the skills necessary to like, um, to like showcase it. Mm-hmm. So like now that I'm 
like getting those skills to showcase it, then it'll help me like um, kind of dig up what I've had all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird because like all I always think of like everything I did in the past as just like pretty well, just like not as good as what I'm doing now. But then I'll like go back and read my old lyrics and I'm like, oh, this is kind of I was kind of on to something. I just didn't have like the right words to describe it or whatever. What do you think influences you the most? Definitely my friends. Uh, my friends and um, I mean, just being like being where we're from. It's like such a unique experience to like live in Alaska. Mm-hmm. I think that like no matter what you have this unique perspective, like if you're from here, because mm-hmm. there's so many like, like you go to the lower 48 and it's completely different on like every level. So it's uh, I think I subconsciously draw a lot of influence just being from Alaska and stuff. But um, I think most most of my influence is like really subconscious and it's not like a like I don't really know where it's coming from when it happens, but I'll like figure it out. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I, that was like from a movie or something. Yeah. That's interesting that you subconsciously maybe uh, absorb, you know, these influences and then you regurgitate elements of them in music and then Mm. only kind of like upon reflection or even maybe I'm assuming like maybe sometimes you'll, you'll be sitting there watching a movie and you're like, oh, that's where I got it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think starting as a filmmaker that happens too, or like, um, like I, I just think really visually Mm -hmm. just because of like how I've been making movies like for a while before this. Yeah. So like everything I do is like a color or like, um, like I make mood boards for like songs I make just to kind of like, I don't know, try to make it make sense in my head. Yeah. Can you describe one of those mood boards? Well, I just made one. I, I just dropped a song like two weeks ago called Survivor's Guilt, and it's like a pretty, uh, it's a pretty like apocalyptic song. Mm-hmm. So like I took, and it, it reminds me of the woods because of like, it's pretty acoustic. Mm-hmm. So I, I took a lot of, um, like it makes me think of like the last of us too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just like little screen grabs from that. And like, um, like the characters like playing guitar in the woods and like, uh, I don't know. I love the, just like the idea of people who are really like dirty, <laughs> like <laughs> just like walking around the woods, like covered in like mud or like blood or okay. whatever. Like, it's just interesting to me. Like, it's, I I don't know if it's, like, a textural thing, but, like, (laughs) it just, like, kind of, it just looks cool to me. Yeah. Like, my brain. So, you're not thinking of, like, why are these people bloody in the woods? You're just looking (laughs) at it from, like, a a fashion standpoint. Yeah. I'm like, they, where's their their dog choker? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're back to the dog choker. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just finding like every excuse to bring that up for some reason. 
it's like not even that much of a choker. I don't know why I was, whatever. <laughs> not I could change it. <laughs> it's like, it's it's just like a long piece of like, just like a long metal chain that I could kind of clip up, and like there would be a tail from it just like hanging down. So I could clip it at like any, any like link. Do you have any days where you see it lying around and you're like, I'm going to bust this out today? Dude. I see, a, I have a lot of days where I see it around and then I'm like, God, no. Like, <laughs> it's just haunting you. Yeah. Or like I, I have this um, like hoodie I wore every, like every single day of freshman year of my freshman year in high school. And I just see it hanging up in my closet like a retired like jersey or something. <laughs> I'm like, oh god. <laughs> it like still smells like weed somehow. What do you think it means to <laughs> have these like relics of your past just lying around? I think it's just like funny. Okay. I don't know. I think it um like I don't need them. But I think it just, like, I see it, and I'm like, that is so hilarious that I wore, like, this Assassin's Creed-looking <laughs> jacket every day. I guess what I'm thinking of is, you know, there's a reason you haven't thrown them away. Yeah. I'm just, like, a sucker for things that make me think of stuff. <laughs> That's, okay. like, the most broad statement like humanly possible but dude i just like thinking about things no no i just i'm not like i'm the i'm super like add so like everything that i like things enter and leave my brain like so quickly so like i always think about how many um, like memories or experiences that I've forgotten about that I'll like never remember again. Hmm. So like, I try to like keep everything that reminds me of something just because I don't want, I'm like a f kind of afraid to like, uh, lose a part of my past, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, that could be like a character flaw or whatever, but I think it's just important to me to like remember where I come from and uh, what I used to do and stuff. Where do you think that comes from? You know, this fear of forgetting. I think I've always had some version of it. I think, <clears throat> I think everyone has too. Where like, I remember going to <laughs> my mom's car would be filled with rocks because I would like hang out on the the recess hill at my school and i would see a rock and i'm like i'm never gonna see this rock again hmm. like this rock will like i like me looking at it will never happen again in like my entire like history of my life so like i would see it and i'm like i need to have this because i'll never see it again and i think it's I just have this like weird innate like um fear of maybe it's a fear of change. Okay. Or it's just like a I don't know. 
I'm just scared to forget things, I think. Do you know what your mom thinks about this? Maybe how she has responded to it? Well, I know in the moment when like, when she's like going around a corner and like, like 30 rocks hit the other side of the car. <laughs> I think that's like, obviously she was probably pretty annoyed with that, but <laughs> I think, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I really talked to her about it. I think she just took it as like, oh, this is just like a kid collecting rocks and stuff, which it was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was much deeper than that, but it was, um, I don't know. I don't think I've ever talked to her about it. I think that's just, she just kind of brushed it off as like a, this is a, like a kid moment. Yeah. Like he's an artist. Which is fine, which it was. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. Do you feel like you, um, you've gotten more comfortable with the fact that, you know, you do have this feeling like this, this insecurity of things passing by too quickly and being gone forever. I think I'm just more, I just acknowledge it more Mm -hmm. because I don't think, I don't think I used to acknowledge it very much. And, uh, I don't know. I think it's just a, a weird roundabout way for me to be like appreciative of like what I have now. Yeah. So I think it's like overall a positive thing, but it's definitely like annoying. (laughs) Annoying in what way? (laughs) Well, annoying and like my head is so full of just like nothing. Like all like just objects that I don't need to remember, but I'm like scared to forget. Okay. Do you think making music helps quiet all of that? Yeah, definitely. I think recently I've been writing songs that are like really specific. Mm-hmm. And I think um, being really specific about what I'm talking about helps me a lot um, to like remember how I was feeling in the moment. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll feel a certain way and it could be really... Um, really like expressive and, uh, like intense, like maybe I'll, I'm like talking to a girl and then we like stop talking and then I, I don't know, feel some type of way about it. But I always, once you're over it, you always kind of forget about how you felt. And sometimes that's a good thing, but, uh, I think that, that fear that I have of like forgetting things, I'm always like. I wish I wish I could feel how I felt just for the sake of like knowing what I what was going on in my brain. Mm-hmm. So I think I try to write songs now that are like that like convey how I'm feeling about like a very specific situation. Mm-hmm. Do you journal at all? Not really. I think I think music is my way of journaling. Okay. I'm just like writing stuff. Because when I write music, like a lot of times I'll just kind of trauma dump in my notes app. Okay. And then like... I mean, that's writing though. Yeah. And it doesn't rhyme or anything. It's just like words and whatever. And then I take those and like turn them into songs. 
So I guess I do kind of journal, but not like I, I like I don't have a journal or anything. Would you mind or feel comfortable reading the last note you took in your phone? Um. Yeah. Sure. Let's see. <laughs> I have no idea what any of this means. Uh, I have a note that says delayed mouth pop. (laughs) I think I was writing a song and I was like, that would be cool if I had like a delayed mouth pop in it or something. Okay. Let me find one that like has essence to it. Hold on. Okay. My notes are not what they used to be. I just have track lists and um, coffee shop flavors that I like. (laughs) (laughs) Here, I have um, a description of a moment in here. Says fresh air, morning breeze, lemon tea and honey. I walked into the living room to count yesterday's money. A hug awaits me at the door, a mother's love. Her son is making money now. He must be all grown up. <laughs> Where do you think that came from? Um I think I just read I read a poem and I was like, I, I kinda wanna write a poem right now. So I was like, what's a good, um, how can I like try to create like a feeling or something? Cause this was after, this was after I, I just did a show and it was like a show we threw. So I, I just had this big wad of money on my desk. Cause I, it was like, like I hadn't paid anyone yet. Cause I had to bring it to the bank. Mm-hmm. So my, I was just feeling, I was like, oh, I, there's all this money. Like I'm, I'm like doing well. I'm like per- pursuing this thing I wanted to do. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just full of like, like it's happening, like energy. And I just woke up feeling really good. And, um, I don't know. I was trying to describe that to myself. I think. Did it have any relationship to you know, you and your mom, because you mentioned your mom in there, right? Yeah. Well, I think she's definitely like my comfort person. So like when I, when I'm writing things that like I'm trying to be, or when I'm writing things that are trying to be comforting, I, I usually put my mom in there somehow just like subconsciously because that's what I go to. And I'm like, I think of comfort and stuff.
So you're in your early 20s, right? Yeah, I just turned 21. Do you feel like the Alaska music scene is made up of mainly people older than you, or does it feel like there's a good mix of young people too? The young people in the music scene are like 28. Oh, okay. Yeah, so because there's the ice, the like music scene iceberg in Alaska is like is really interesting because like obviously there are there are kids my age and like younger and kids in high school that are making music, but they they don't have any platform like they because there are like it's getting so much better now, but. Like, that's why we threw shows in high school that were all ages, because there weren't any. Mm-hmm. Like, no one who made music that was my age in high school, like, could play shows because they couldn't. And, like, uh, I don't know. Like, a lot of opportunities that we've had, we've just kind of had to make, I think. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people... Like most people that make music here are, uh, they're kind of like regulars at the bars and stuff, and they just play at the bar and bars and like do that kind of whole like circuit thing. But uh, I think now it's a lot better than like the all ages co op kind of like uh, came out of that, like creating your own opportunity like mindset thing because there's a lot of people I know that work at the all ages co-op and like help run that and stuff. Yeah. So there's energy there. Yeah. And I think people are taking kids music a lot more serious than they have in the past. Why do you think that is? I think I hope, I really hope we had something to do with it. I think, um, because we put a lot of effort into like making uh kids voices heard like on a music level Mm -hmm. i think that like our first show we ever threw in like 2019 and or 2018 there was like 300 people that showed up Mm -hmm. and it's like an all-ages show and i think people as we did these shows i think people started to realize that like when kids have the opportunity to support like their friends that are like singing on stage or rapping or whatever, um, like they show up because they have nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think people are finally realizing that and they're like, Oh, like it could also be like a good business opportunity to like host these events and stuff mm-hmm. because every time there's like a great uh, turnout and like people want to go to these, but they're just now starting to happen and stuff. You know, a while back, Josh Boots gave me some advice that I've thought of and considered ever since. And that is that your friends are not your fans. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think, yeah, I agree. Cause well, I think, Hmm. I think it's, I'm pretty half and half about that because your first couple fans have to be your friends. But like, if your friends tell their friends about you, then like those can become your fans and stuff. Yeah. But I think it kind of, 
um, it kind of dominoes from your friends. And then it like, as the domino goes, then it like becomes uh, more of a fan thing than a friend thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that has anything to do with high school, you know, and everybody being in like the central area and maybe not having as many responsibilities as they eventually will as an adult. And mm -hmm. so they're looking for things to do on the weekend. They're looking, you know, for things to spend their time on. Yeah. And, you know, that's parties, that's uh, maybe football or hockey games, mm -hmm. um, you know, all ages stuff. And then when you and the rest of Vitus Collective through these all ages shows, they're like, oh, that's cool because we can't get into coots. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we had this, this kid who was really popular just at school. So like he, like everyone that showed up for him weren't, really his friends like they were his fans but uh it was just because he was popular it wasn't because he uh had like a large following of like people that listen to his music it was mostly like <laughs> like girls that thought he was hot kind of. okay so they just that because that was that was like the majority of our audience the first um the first couple shows we did just like um all these like high school people that admired this guy, but they became fans of everyone else that played. So it was, I don't know. It was fun. Those shows were sick. So do you find it different, similar now that you are performing, you know, with, um, people like medium build? Um, different from like the shows we used to throw yeah like the high school crowd i think i think it's just a new generation of high school crowd especially like at the all ages shows because most of the people that come to uh to like my shows are all like like 16 to 19 mostly okay it's like most of my audience so i think uh yeah, I think it's just the new generation of what we were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to really tell. Yeah, it might be one of those situations where you'll understand it more the older you get. Yeah. And I think it's a lot different because we didn't have, like, a medium build when I was in high school. And, uh, I don't know, Nick is... Nick is doing so well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool to see just cause I don't know. He's such like a, like a hometown hero for everyone that, uh, it's definitely cool to have, especially if you're under 21, just like to come to shows and get inspired. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's really cool that we like have that in Alaska. You have this song called the avenue uh -huh. which is which is also a bar in downtown anchorage but i didn't, you didn't know this yeah <laughs> yeah you didn't know about the bar when you named the song right <laughs> no i didn't so i 
I dropped the song and then my friend hit me up and he has like this, he has this big like scar on his neck. Okay. And he was like, this is where a dude stabbed me. It was like, he wrote a song about where this, this dude stabbed me. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> it's like, I didn't even know. I didn't know that, bro. You just thought the name was cool. I, I found when I wrote it, it was like two chords and I was like freestyling it. Mm-hmm. Wait, I could find I can find the original voice memo of me freestyling it. But I freestyled like most of the most of the song and I just liked how it sounded, so like it didn't really mean anything at the time. Yeah. Um Are you looking for that note? Yeah. Hold on. It just does that for like two minutes. And I have like different lyrics before that, but I, I don't know. My songwriting process is I, I just find like, uh, like a couple chords I like, and then I just record myself like freestyling it. And usually I'll get like a chorus or like at least the melody mm-hmm. out of it. Cause I've found that usually my first idea, like the first thing that comes to mind when I hear something is like the best one that I'll be able to get. So I just try to like capture that and like, uh, cause there's been so many times where I, I think of something really sick and I just forget about it immediately. Yeah. Cause I didn't record it. It's funny too, because your first thought is always, I'll never forget this. Yeah. And then the first thing you do is you forget it. <laughs> and then you think about you never forgetting it. And then it, you forget about it because you weren't thinking about it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's always important to take those notes. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked that question about the Avenue and you not knowing that it was a bar in downtown Anchorage because <laughs> I feel like it's it's such a good point between your age and your understanding of like, I don't know, like 21 and older culture in Anchorage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause dropping it, like I got a lot of DMS that were kind of like, like, what do you know about (laughs) the Avenue? (laughs) It's like, I don't see you there. Yeah. It's like, well, I didn't, I didn't even know. What was your response to those? Well, it was just like, I, that's not what the song's about. Okay. Like it's okay. not about a bar. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you're right. I don't know. <laughs> but now that I've gone out and like experienced bar culture in Anchorage, I th- I don't know. Not, not a great time. <laughs> I think a lot, like most of the bars here are pretty, pretty trashy. <laughs> But obviously, I mean, but that's kind of what a bar is. Like, I don't know. I just go and get some like really fruity, like, like mixed drink that I can barely taste the alcohol in. And I just sip that for the entire night, like four hours. Okay. And then just that's it. Like, I don't. So you don't drink at all? No. Like, I'll go out like once every two weeks and get like one drink. 
yeah, I'm not. I have a lot of alcoholism in my family, so I try to keep it pretty chill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to answer this or kind of go down this route, but could you tell me about, you know, how maybe how that alcoholism in your family affects you? Yeah. Um, I mean, my dad, he, uh, like he's always had a pretty big problem with alcohol and at least since I was born, like my mom and, uh, or my, my mom and dad got divorced when I was like, like two months old or something. And, uh, he's Australian. So he, he went back to Australia when I was pretty young. I was like five or six. And, uh, so every time he would visit, uh, kind of all the memories that I have, uh, of him, mm -hmm. he's like drunk or mm. whatever. I think that might be where my, my fear of like forgetting about things comes from because, um, I don't, I think I don't really like, Hmm. I think that, uh, like I, a couple years ago, I saw him for the first time in like three or four years. And like he, um, when we met up, he kind of like, he was kind of like crying and it was, it was because he, um, he missed out so much on like us growing up. Mm -hmm. like me and my sister that uh like he he saw us and was kind of expecting us to still be like 12 or like the last time he saw us yeah and i don't think he really like because he's drunk so often or all the time or whatever like i don't think he's ever really come down from it and like uh been able to process things so he has like this one idea of something and then that's just like how he feels about it like forever. Mm -hmm. So I think he kind of had that with us. And then once it wasn't like that, like we were grown up and stuff, then I think that affected him a lot. And I think, uh, I think that's why I try to be so present and like remember certain mem like moments and stuff because I don't want to, like, I want to look back at certain memories fondly, but I don't want to um, feel like that's the only, like, memory of the thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, it's everything's always changing. And uh, I don't know. I just don't want to have, like, a repeat situation like that, at least for my life. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to be surprised that something's different. I just want to, like, um, let it, let whatever's happening happen and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you feel like maybe you have this fear of losing certain memories because your dad's drinking and mm -hmm. he has forgotten so much. Yeah. I think that's, that's the majority of that for sure. 
you know, it seems like you have a, a really solid, healthy understanding of all of that. Did that mm-hmm. take any amount of time to get to, or, you know, maybe your mom helped you work through it or something else? I think my mom, my mom has always been such a good, um, like she's, she's the complete opposite of my dad. So like, I remember when my dad would visit and I would like come back from hanging out with her. Um, and it just, it just always felt really weird because it was so different. And, uh, Mm -hmm. what am I trying to say? Yeah, I mean, I've had I've had my own experiences too with like substances and like alcohol and stuff. So I think I got like I experimented with it a lot in high school, and then I kind of got over it. And then uh, I think I just had like a I don't want to be my dad moment. Mm-hmm. So I like <laughs> I like did my best to get away from all that stuff. But my mom's always been, had like really healthy, um, like she's, she's really good at communicating and she's really like a lot of my friends, their parents kind of like, uh, like a lot of my friends grew up in military households and their parents kind of, uh, like I'll talk about therapy with them. Because like I did, I did therapy for a while, and it's just not really an option in their household. Because growing up with like military parents, like them, uh, they kind of got shamed for wanting to go to therapy, hmm. or like it just didn't feel like an option for them. And like my mom, my mom encouraged me to even before I like even knew that I should. She was just like, oh, like, it doesn't really matter if you have, like, something you want to work through right now. It's just, like, everyone should go to therapy if they can. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know, just things like that. I think my mom has always been really, just a really healthy person. So the juxtaposition from that to my dad is just, like, gives me whiplash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, so different. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely super lucky to be able to grow up in her house instead of my dad's, I think. <clears throat> what did that, I don't want to be like my dad moment look like? If you don't mind me asking. Hmm. I think I just experimented a lot with like, uh, I mean, not a whole lot of drugs. Like I, I had a line, like I, I would never do like, I never did like pills or, uh, whatever, like the really hard shit or whatever. Yeah. But I just, I just remember thinking about like, I would just like smoke every day and like drink and, uh, I had a little like lean phase. Okay. <laughs> which is really dumb. I just did that a couple of times and I was like, this is so stupid. I, Cause I wanted to like, I listened to so much like SoundCloud rap. I was like, dude, this is so cool of them to like drink cough syrup. Yeah. Yeah. 
I did the whole, we did the whole nine yards. We went and got like Jolly Ranchers. And okay. That shit is just dumb though. Like just experimenting with things and like, like afterwards you just feel the like regret you feel. It's like, damn, I can't be like, like I don't feel clean anymore. I don't feel like a clean person. Well, that's lucky that you felt that way because I don't think it's like that for everybody because there's people who become really reliant on drugs. Yeah, definitely. And I think because my mom was so healthy about stuff, I think that's what initially, like initially made me want to start like smoking weed and stuff. Cause I was like, Oh, I want to like do something different and whatever. And then I did it. And I'm like, Oh, she's, she's like, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually good on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have any early memories of your dad? Yeah, I remember. So my dad has always kind of treated me the same age, just like my whole life. Like he's, he's always kind of looked at me as like a, someone in like their late teens, early twenties. Okay. So he would talk to me like I was like 17 or something when I was like six. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he always, I think he viewed me more as like a, like the homie okay. rather than like, your, <laughs> like his son. Yeah. So like I would, I would go to, I would walk downstairs when I was like six and like him and his friend would be watching like a really violent TV show or something. And I'm like, Oh, like I'm not allowed to watch this. Like, can I watch this? And he's like, yeah, dude, like whatever. <laughs> and he just would ask us what we wanted to eat. And I'd be like, Oh, like candy. Like, let's get candy. And he's like, yeah. So we'd like go and get candy. And I remember one time we were really hungry and we were like at his house and he came back from the gas station to get like, like chew or something like some Copenhagen. Yeah. And he came back and he had these big, like gummy hamburgers. (laughs) And that's like what we had for dinner. Oh man. And it like, it was it was like an episode of like beyond scared straight <laughs> where I was like, I don't want to eat candy anymore. Like I want to eat food. Yeah. And like, I just be at his house. Like we'd watch like South park and like, just like all this shit I shouldn't be watching. And then I would like go to kindergarten the next day, <laughs> like, <laughs> like repeat all this stuff. And I'd get in so much trouble. And, uh, I don't know, like all the memories I have of my dad, I think it's just him, him trying to be the cool dad, Mm -hmm. but he's just like, uh, there's like a line (laughs) for sure. Yeah. He just didn't know, like, he just didn't know what he was doing and that's fine. But like, I don't know. Don't have kids if you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) Do you feel like that forced you to grow up faster? Um, yeah, definitely. I don't, I never viewed myself as like, like I, I never felt like mentally older than anyone else. I think I just had all these experiences that I shouldn't have had. Um, like, 
I don't know. My, my sister had it a lot worse than me because she was more conscious because she's like two years older than me. So like every time uh, something would go, would like happen or whatever, like she had, I mean, she was more conscious. So she like remembered more of it. And there's certain, there's certain situations. Like I wanted to, we wanted to play Frisbee and we couldn't find a frisbee so he gave us a cd <laughs> and there's there's just all these photos of uh of me when i was a kid with just a red line across my forehead cuz my sister threw it and it stuck in my forehead oh man so i just had like this <laughs> this like a red line in my head from like a cd accident and just like shit like that did it scar your forehead? No, it was either my forehead or my nose. I'm not sure, but I, it didn't scar it or anything. I just like I just had a line on it for a little while. Yeah. Oh my god. Just like shit like that. Like it's like yeah. no one except someone who's drunk would ever think of that. <laughs> yeah. It's like what are you doing? Or like one of your friends. You yeah. know, like if you're if you're in a group full of buddies, it's like you know, oh, we don't have a frisbee. Let's just use this CD. But <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know, when yeah. you're when your dad's behaving like somebody who's like you're equal in age, yeah. it's uh, you know, it's it it does seem like a sign of immaturity and <laughs> for sure uh, addiction. Yeah, he would he would like let us drive his like rental car around like the neighborhood, <laughs> and we're like okay. we're like ten or something or whatever. Yeah, and it's always like just hanging out with him always just felt like the forbidden fruit thing where mm -hmm. it's like everything we're doing we should not be doing but because of that it's like addicting and like i don't know there's a lot of like funny stories that like shouldn't be funny i think yeah no i'm i'm sitting here laughing at it because <laughs> my dad's an alcoholic as well and I had similar situations like that, but, you know, he owned a snowboard and skateboard shop for, mm -hmm. you know, years and years. And, you know, it was, uh, instead of, you know, throwing CDs at each other, we were going to skate spots and he was like, you know, getting in fights with the security and we were like, oh, that's cool. But then, you know, like when you get older, you're like, that's kind of gnarly. You know, that's kind of a <laughs> yeah. weird situation to be in, to show up in his Cadillac with two 12s in the back and we're, you know, bumping easy E and then we get out to go skateboard and it's this weird, like mix of like dysfunction and beauty yeah. and, 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 and it's always, you know, that, uh, that bar stool knowledge, yeah. you know, like the drunk that's sitting at the corner of the bar in their seat day after day. But then when you talk to them, they have like these, these stories, you know, this like hard won knowledge that you respect. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Like how we're just having like a therapy session right now. <laughs> That's sometimes how these conversations turn out. So I was going through your social media and I wanted to ask you this question about 
your move to Portland. Yeah. You know, you moved to Portland uh, about two years ago, but then you moved back to Anchorage. Why? So I moved to Portland. It was like peak COVID. And I was going there with the goal to like, um, like meet other people who made music and like collaborate a lot and go to shows and just like none, none of that was an option because of COVID. Okay. I was like, oh, I'm going to move. And then like when I moved, I was like, oh, it's going to be over by the time I get there. Cause I bought my ticket. Like I was like, okay. I bought a one-way ticket to Portland from like eight months from now. I'm going to get my shit together and just like go for it by the time like I have to move. Mm-hmm. So I did that and I moved and COVID was still happening. And uh, when I was there, <clears throat> I just like slept on uh, like my friend's couch for like two months. And then we eventually moved into a new place altogether. And I just had like, like I just ended up in like the worst spot I've been in in a long time because of uh, I worked like a really shitty job mm-hmm. and it took up most of my time. And then the free time I did have uh, my roommate's girlfriend at the time, like we did not get along at all. And she was like over every day. So I just didn't feel comfortable at home. So I would like escape to the Oregon coast because that's where all my friends, like my other friends lived. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like I wasn't doing anything because I was either working or on the coast. So I like wasn't really making music that much or collaborating. And I just felt like I was wasting like my life almost. So I just like, um, I remember I... I went to LA with Huss and Michael, like, like the other Vitus guys. And mm-hmm. it was like the most productive trip. Like it could have been like, we got studio space and we met all these, um, <clears throat> like artists and stuff. And like, I got home, uh, f- to Portland after the LA trip. And I just like moved the like next day. Like I got home and I was like, I, Okay. I'm going to like go live with these guys again and, or I never lived with them, but like live in the same place as them. And yeah, cause they're, it's like the whole thing where we all kind of like, if one of us isn't motivated or something, then like everyone else is. So like you make, end up making shit anyway. Yeah. So it's just like, like working and collaborating with them is just really healthy for me. So like, I just felt like I was, I just wasn't doing what I could have been doing at home. So I just decided to move back, but <clears throat> I don't know. That's the very common pipeline, like the Alaska to Portland. <laughs> yeah. Thing. But I think it's like that for a reason, you know, Portland yeah. has a big music scene, you know, Portugal, the man, that's where they live Yeah, or that's where they move to. You know, I can't mm-hmm. definitely say that's where they live now. Yeah, that is my, uh, okay. Nick got me in contact with John, uh, the lead singer, when I was in Portland. I I tried to, I never ended up doing anything with them, but yeah, Nick Nick has been putting me on for <laughs> a long time. He's just like, oh, my friend John lives there, and he's like, <laughs> Portugal the man, John. It's like, oh shit, he gave me his number and shit. Yeah, like oh, but I mean, yeah. 
I, it was worth it just because just like experiencing things and like living, uh, with friends and, uh, just like figuring out, like, I didn't know what like a renter's insurance was before then. Like you just learn all this stuff that just like living in a place that you didn't know. So I, I value that time a lot, but it just wasn't the right time. I think. Do you feel like there will be a right time? Yeah. I, um, it's not set in stone, but, me and the other Vitus guys are, we're thinking about moving to LA actually this summer. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll see if that actually happens, but, um, I think it depends on if we're where we want to be, uh, like career wise by the time we move. Cause you want to be like established enough, uh, locally that it like makes sense to move. Mm hmm. Cause like we want to get everything we can out of um, Alaska before you leave or else it's just like too early, I think. Okay. Do you feel like Alaska has its own sustainable music scene or is it a stepping stone or actually maybe proving grounds is a better way of putting it? Yeah. Yeah. Stepping stone is kind of like, it feels a little, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not, using alaska i think i it's it's definitely more proving grounds i think okay uh i think it's sustainable if you're if you don't wish to be very big i think if you if you just want to do like the whole bar circuit um or like cover band like whatever i think that you can like make a living and stuff but you can only go so far here uh, but it's, it's definitely like the optimal place to start music and like prove yourself because like the, there is competition, but like the music scene just feels, at least from my perspective and the people I've surrounded myself with, it just feels like a friend group rather than like, like the competition is like friendly competition. Like, oh, this person just dropped a really good song. So like my next song needs to like be better, or like whatever. But it's all for the sake of improving. And like, I want to see every, all my friends win and like every, all my friends want to see me win. And mm -hmm. it's a really, it's definitely a really healthy environment, at least from, uh, from where I am. I know it's, it's different for a lot of other people but it's just the people you surround yourself with for sure. I've just been really lucky. And you feel like a move to LA might maybe put you in a different space mentally, maybe mm -hmm. energy wise as well. I think we've always kind of capped ourselves out um, because of where we are. Um, I think there's always that looming, like, oh, if only I was in this place, I could, like, go to this show or, like, uh, go to this big studio and whatever. But, like, L.A., like, there's no place above L.A. Like, if you're in L, like, everything is there. So, like, there, like, that looming feeling wouldn't really exist in L.A., I feel like. But it's not, I don't want to be in LA forever. I just want to like go for like a year just to like meet people, I think. Mm -hmm. 
and like build a studio and uh just like make a bunch of shit and work with a bunch of people and then maybe come back or figure it out from there i'm not really sure yeah was cigarettes the first song you released as a solo artist yeah yeah there was like a couple months after i started making music it was uh my friend made we were listening to a lot of phoebe bridgers <laughs> okay. it was like right when punisher came out and uh my friend charlie and i uh i was just kind of crafting like i was like what do i want to make music like i was like should i make like fuck like pop punk or indie or like folk or mm -hmm. whatever and then we uh <clears throat> like cigarette started as a as a kyoto type beat like the phoebe bridgers song so he kind of like copied the drums from it and uh he just sent me that beat and then i don't know yeah that was my first that was my first song or the we made a bunch of other songs but that was my first like uh i kind of set this like deadline for myself to get my first song ready to be released by like a certain time and yeah that was that was my first song as a solo artist. What was it like, you know, getting it out there? I I put so much effort into like uh marketing and sending it to blogs and like I I had so much to learn and Nick's manager helped me so much because before uh, before I even started making music, I, I kind of took on like a manager role for like Michael and Huss. Mm -hmm. And uh, I talked with Catherine, Nick's manager, and she sat on the phone with me for like three hours, just like giving me all this industry insight about like, uh, like don't drop it on this day because everyone drops on this day and you'll get like overshadowed or like, uh, like how to write a press release to like send to blogs and mm -hmm. just like all this information I literally, I would have not been able to figure out if I didn't talk to someone who does it as a job. So just, I don't know. I, I've just been in such a lucky position. I think that like where things have just kind of came together somehow. And like, it's a combination of uh, like the effort that it took to like research how to do all these things. And then, uh, knowing people that do those things and just asking them, like pestering them with questions about it. Yeah. Do you take notes? Yes. I mean, I f like for conversations like, like those, I definitely took a lot of notes and just seeing like every time I hang out with Nick or I see Nick, I'm like, Oh dude, like I saw your song got on like Discover Weekly or something or like this new editorial playlist and we just kind of like nerd out about like the Spotify algorithm or like TikTok or whatever. And just having like a friend group where that's all we talk about. Like me and Charlie and Huss and Michael, like every time we're in the same room we we're debating which uh like Coldplay album is the best. <laughs> or like okay. the worst or whatever yeah <laughs> like it's just all music all the time constantly and like when we're not in the studio we're like having those debates or 
um, talking about like, oh, this show went really well, or like, we should do this. We should like, uh, I have this idea for a TikTok or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on your song, on a roll, you say, I kind of fucking hate the old me. Was that just for the song or is that something you actually think? That was something that, that was on Nick's verse. That was something that Nick freestyled. Okay. So we were like, um, that was such a good moment because like I wanted to collaborate with Nick and he was open to doing a verse on one of my songs, which is like a crazy feature for my second song. Yeah. I was really stoked about that. So he just came through one day and we like made the beat and laid down our verses in like two hours and like had the finished song after that session. And I wanted, I was kind of torn on whether I wanted him to come back and do like a really clean uh, take of his verse because he had to leave pretty early. But I kind of just, I don't know. It was like, that was such, making that song was such a good moment. Mm Mm-hmm uh together where we're just all hanging out and like i i kind of wanted to preserve that feeling that we had yeah and i think that um i think it came across that way in like the finished product you know that mentality is a lot like you know you recording yourself with your phone you know to get Mm -hmm. that first take yeah true i I just really like authenticity and I think that's like the most important thing in songwriting and just making music in general. So I try to like make things like I try not to force like anything and just like let things come out how they're supposed to come out. Yeah. And that's not really like a fate thing. Like going back to that, I think it's just more like shit just kind of works out and like, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it is a fate thing. I don't know. But I try not to overthink anything. Yeah. Just do. Yeah. I definitely do, though. <laughs> overthink it. <laughs> Have you had any conversations with other Alaska-based artists, maybe like Nick or, you know, your buddies in Vitus Collective, about what it means to be successful? Um, like, yeah, definitely like all the time. I know I, maybe not specifically like what it means to be successful, but just talking about, um, like our recent successes and like, I was just hanging out with Ashley Young and, uh, have you done a podcast with Ashley? No, I have not. No, you should. She is she is doing so well right now okay okay anyway (laughs) i i just hung out with ashley young and like uh my friend justin his artist name's like carino and then huss and we were just talking about like recent successes and like how we feel about certain things and like our worries and Mm -hmm. i think just having having regular and like pretty constant conversation about um, how I and my friends feel about, um, where we are at and like where we want to go and, uh, like what we can do, um, at 
like where we are. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And just because there's a lot of, I think in Alaska, there's a lot of like, um, there is a lot of conversations where, uh, or like there is a lot of competitiveness because someone will like, there's such a limited, um, there's a, there's a lot of, it's like the opportunities are pretty limited. So like when someone is doing really well, they kind of get all the opportunities. Oh, okay. And I think that's fine. I think that's whatever, but like, uh, I think a lot of people kind of get hurt that they're not chosen for the opportunities, Hmm. but like I talked a lot about this with Ashley because like I listen to like hundreds of artists, Mm -hmm. like, like a lot, like everyone listens to like, no one listens to one artist or anything. Mm -hmm. So like, there's always room for like everyone on someone's playlist. Like it's not the whole idea of, like I need to be bigger than this person or whatever, like is, is really, it's kind of dumb because yeah, like growing, like the most, I think the, the best way to grow like as a friend group and like as a, um, as artists, just like that are friends that aren't like beefing with each other. <laughs> I think it, it makes the most sense to like get big and then you help them and they like, if they get end up getting bigger than you, then you're friends. So they help you. And then it's just like a constant climb. Yeah. And it's not like you leave everyone in the dust and you're on your own. Yeah. It's like you can, you can lift up other people. Like it doesn't hurt anything to just like share someone's song on your story or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no one cares. I think it's just like, it's just a nice friend thing to do to like, help each other out like that. I wonder if you've thought about the worst case scenario when it comes to your music. Um, the worst case scenario. I don't, I don't really think about that because I don't want to like put energy into the worst case scenario because it's not yeah. going to happen. <laughs> so it's, it's like, why, why would I, I just try to like, when I talk about my future and like, uh, where I want to be, I just always try to talk about it like it's gonna happen, mm-hmm. because I I really I have a lot of confidence that it will, and I I just don't see a future where it won't. So I I don't know, I don't like putting uh, that kind of energy out there. How about best case scenario? Best case scenario, um, I think. Ooh. I think about this a lot, but I also like um my goals change a lot. Like I don't I think my overall like big goal is just to like I want to it goes back to the being obsessed with Justin Bieber, like I want to mm-hmm. be like a pop star or whatever. <laughs> whatever that looks like and being able to live like comfortably off of music. And, uh, I don't know. I want to get to the point where like money isn't an issue and I don't, I want to get to the point where like I have some sort of effect on music and I want to get to a point 
where like I'm in a position to put on all my friends mm-hmm. because I don't know. I just want all these people that help me constantly and like are like better at me than like producing or playing guitar or anything to like uh, get what they deserve and uh, be able to have like fruitful careers too. Mm -hmm. So I just want to, I don't know, make it with like Huss and them. Definitely. Well, Zane, that's, that's it. That's all I got for you. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for this conversation, for your honesty and for your perspective. Good little therapy sesh. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, shit. I mean, go stream my song. (laughs) God, I'm so bad. I'm like awful at like promoting myself. Uh, I don't know. Just like check me out. Uh, go listen to Cody's other episodes. Uh, check out all the Vitus guys. Check out Huss. Uh, check out Ashley Young. Yeah. That's that's all I have to say. You know, I wonder... I usually end it right there, but I don't want to leave without asking you mm-hmm. if you could picture an Alaska, you know, a future Alaska that maybe is providing spaces, you know, for people like yourself and like your buddies in Vitus Collective and Ashley, you know, what does that look like? I I want an all-ages venue that's, like, constantly doing stuff. And, like, whether that's, like, uh, just, like, I don't know, DJ shows or, like, bringing in local artists or bringing in artists from, like, out of town. Like, I want, I want there to be things that kids can like go to and do that's like regular mm-hmm. um, because I, the the whole reason why everyone like experiments with drugs and whatever like tries shit like that is because it's always it's mostly like a lack of stuff to do and i think um having a space to do things and like to go to shows and uh like a face to uh, a space to like feel less excluded from the lower 48 and like all the things they have down there i think would be really beneficial to alaska i think that that would be really cool uh, i'm not really sure what that would look like but like um i think we need that as a community For more information about the Anchorage Museum, visit anchoragemuseum.org. This podcast was produced by me, Cody Liska, for the Anchorage Museum, with additional help from Julie Decker. Chattermark's music is produced by Keys Open Doors. (laughs) 